When a hurdle is great, become a world-class hurdler. Lessons learned from Black History Month on episode number three of the To Be Encouraged podcast with Bishop Julius C. Tremble. Whenever there were hurdles and obstacles placed in front of blacks, we became world-class hurdlers. So, you know, when we couldn't, we couldn't, they wouldn't teach us how to read, we became great scholars and educators. When we couldn't get into medical school, we became great doctors and innovators. Uh, so one of the things, this is a lesson for everyone. When there are hurdles put in front of you, often God will help make you a world-class hurdler. You are welcome to be encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Tremble. Bishop Tremble is on a mission to encourage you with the love of Jesus Christ so you can rise to your highest potential. On To Be Encouraged, Bishop Tremble speaks to a discouraged world with a good word on the pandemic, racism, the environment, human sexuality, and the state of the church, with a focus on centering your life on the love of Jesus Christ. Has there ever been a more needed time for an encouraging word to our world? This is your time to rise to your greatest potential and to be encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Tremble. Hello, good people. Welcome to Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. This is the podcast where we hope to speak an encouraging word into a discouraged world. And one of the many things that we have to deal with, and Bishop, you have said on many occasions as we prepare to launch this podcast and got it going now for a few weeks, is you really want to address pertinent issues that are happening in our world. And here it is, February of 2022, and it is Black History Month. And I know that we want to have a conversation today about Black History Month, about the relevance of that today. And there is particular some things we can talk about in light of some things happening in our world. I know that we have a potential uh, in, a, in our country, a new Supreme Court uh, justice being nominated, some things like that. But first of all, Bishop, just um, talk to us a little bit about uh, your feelings, your thoughts, your observations about the importance and the place and the purpose of a Black History Month? I think Black History Month is critically important because it's important to uh, be able to really appreciate and understand the diversity and contributions of so many people, so many cultures, so many uh, racial ethnic groups that have uh, contributed to making this country a great a great place and and also contributions across the globe uh, i can recall going through uh, school early on and not really hearing much about black history uh, it started uh, because of carter g woodson who didn't have an opportunity to attend school until high school until he was 20 years old mm -hmm. so he started high school at age 20 uh, the grandson of us of slaves, uh, Carter G. Whitson, ended up completing getting a Ph.D. from Harvard University. 
But he first introduced what was called Negro History Week. Mm -hmm. And of course, Negro History Week later became Black History Month. And its, and its purpose was really to, ed, to enhance the understanding of the historical contributions of Black citizens uh, in, in, in America, in the United States of America in particular, uh, because so much of that was kind of left out of the, of the, the educational uh, opportunities for those persons who were attending school. Uh, I had a course in high school in African-American history and I just had bits and pieces actually up until I was in high school uh, where I, I heard about famous black contributors like uh, uh, George Washington Carver and, and uh, persons like that, Booker T. Washington. But uh, there was a there's been a lot of contributions throughout the history of this country. And I think until we really appreciate all of all history from all people that we can't really appreciate how much we've all contributed to uh, what we call American society. Hmm. That's a good uh, background for us here as well. And I think it highlights something that I've been thinking about a little bit here as you and I talk about this, you and I are about the same age. And it seemed to me that in the educational system, at least when I was growing up, that black history entailed um, just a mention of three or four primary names, Christmas Addicts, Booker T. Washington, George Washington Carver. That's about it, as far as I recall, in terms of growing <laughs> up. And then, but there, that meant there was a huge void, at least I've learned since then, about other contributors, other people in our history who have made such, a, such an impact. And I'd like you to speak for a minute about, in your studies or in your life, about any uh, figures, any folks, uh, black folks from history or even contemporary folks, who have had a real impact on you and your life in ministry and your, your viewpoints? Well, my grandfather, Julius Pryor Sr., was a charter member of the NAACP in Montgomery, Alabama. I didn't know that till I was well into my uh, middle age years. Uh, and so he was he was there when they laid the groundwork for the Montgomery bus boycott. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it, wow. It doesn't appear in any, any of the history books I read, but I, what, actually we were in uh in in alabama for a family reunion and we went to the a new civil rights museum the rosa parks civil rights museum and they had a video piece and i and I, we were watching the video i said hey that's that's papa Pryor, our grandfather on this on this video oh wow so they're, that so must they're literally thrill to see that yeah, my goodness yeah so they're literally uh people all all throughout society when you think about it, every genre of society and culture uh whether it's music you know west montgomery who's from a jazz musician was from Indiana, mm -hmm. uh, Indianapolis. I mean, uh, you know, you think sports, Oscar Robertson from, from Indiana. <laughs> uh, when you think about architecture, when you think about music, when you think about uh, science, the sciences, they're just a host of, of persons. Too often we associate, particularly in contemporary society, uh, black, black wealth with, with uh, entertainment. Uh, yes. But uh, we, we, we need not forget that even in recent years, you know, Barack Obama, who, mm -hmm. uh, who I'm often re reminded is truly an African-American because yes. his father was an African and his, his mother was from Kansas, I believe. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, our current vice president, Kamala Harris, who uh, is, is Afri African and Asian uh, in, in, in her background. These are significant persons that that. Uh, people should know about, obviously know about and learn about. 
But even if you go back to uh, trailblazers who were trying to literally uh, change the society and, and help America really live up to the words of the Constitution, people like Fannie Lou Hamer, who organized voters in Mississippi, even to the threat of her life, and people like Ida B. Wells, who, who continually lobbied the president uh, to do something about uh, lynching. In fact, said if we really want to live up to the Constitution, uh, uh, in, in, increase enfranchisement, make make black citizens truly equal citizens, and and then that would do away with her belief was that would that would end the the long legacy of lynching in America because African Americans were not considered to be full citizens. That was part of what was behind I think Carter G. Woodson's notion that black people were learning actually not uh, to, that they had not contributed anything. And mm -hmm. white people were learning that black people were uh, just really uh, manifestations of stereo stereotypes that really were problem problems and and dregs on society. And so this was in part to break the break, break the chain of the stereotypes, but also to give credit where credit uh, was often not given. And I think it's fascinating. If you dig just a little deeper rather than what we see on the surface, you can find some fascinating influences and impact, as you mentioned here, music and so on and so forth. And you, in your own family, I just find that fascinating. You saw your own relative uh, involved mm -hmm. with the Montgomery uh, uh, boycotts and so on. But we are both based in the Indianapolis, Indiana area. And there's a right down to Indianapolis, there's a place called the Madam Walker Theater, which is uh, based on a, on a uh, black businesswoman from, I think, around 100 years ago. When she was active and active, Madam C.J. Walker, the Madam first C.J. Walker, first yeah. self-made uh, millionaire woman, black millionaire. Yes, uh, and uh, yeah, they did a, I think, a Netflix series about about her about her life uh, a, a couple of years ago as well. Right. Well, that so, that's uh, an incredible accomplishment, and we have something called the Major Taylor Velodrome, mm -hmm. which is about a, uh, a bicycle. Uh, 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 from around 100 years ago, uh, a, a cyclist who was a world champion, but he had to go to Europe or France in, the, in order to live out because he was so much prejudice here. But now there's this velodrome, a bicycle racing track here in Indianapolis. But I, just, I guess the point is, we if we pay attention, we can see the influence here. But a lot of people are a little bit intimidated by that, a little scared of that, don't you think? That there's a sen sensibility. Some people kind of want to push back on Black History Month or, or this type of thing. Why do you think that is? Why do you think some folks want to push back on the uh, significance of this? I think there's this notion that when we learn more about people who have historically been excluded, we do that at the detriment of our own contributions, which is mm -hmm. not really true. It's yeah. like, Brad, you know, when, when people first heard, heard the chants, Black Lives Matter, you oh. know, and I'm, I'm speaking as a Black person, I, I immediately felt like, you know, a part of me saying, oh, well, I know that my life matters. And the first thing you heard was, well, all lives matter, which is obviously true. That's an argument that uh, that's hard to win. But the point is, black lives had not been treated as though they matter when people there, when they, where there was this whole series of consistently uh, shootings and, and, and unfortunate incidents uh, uh, with 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 blacks and police. And so the chant really was, this needs needs attention to it. Uh, some argue now, and part of the discourse that's going on in our current society is around 
people what people consider critical race theory. Yes. People are shying away from any conversation uh, that seems to highlight the uh, significant experience as well as contributions of, of black people, uh, African-Americans. Uh, and part of that, I think, will be to the detriment of our, of our whole society. I've always said this, that uh, if uh, Ruby Bridges or or, or any of the, or even today, if, if someone can, if a 10-year-old black girl can go to a school in Indiana or Ohio or Texas and experience in real time racism and prejudice, then a 10-year-old white student should be able to learn about the history in an appropriate way for a 10-year-old. Sure. Uh, uh, to learn about the history that has led that, 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 that the history of bigotry and racism and prejudice. You know, we shouldn't be teaching mis, misinformed histories about Native Americans when there is, a, we, we now have historical records of Native Americans. And a lot of that would include uh, those of us who live in Indiana for certain. Absolutely. Well, I'm also um, intrigued and interested in how when some people push back against black history month about uh, uh, not being people being exposed to things like critical, critical race theory and educational things about this, how it also goes into other aspects of life. I noticed uh, just in the news here recently, but there was some, a few school systems that were banning books that had to do with the Holocaust about teaching about the Holocaust. And certainly that goes directly to anti-Semitism. And then we've had a real big movement uh, about uh, uh, anti-Asian or Asian hatred uh, for Asian uh, folks uh, regarding as well. So the lessons we're learning here as we lift up black history, not only apply to uh, black folks, but they apply to any others who are considered to be other, you know, by, uh, by, the, uh, by white folks, basically. Mm -hmm. So what do you think are some of the lessons we can learn that can be then be uh, applied to our society and to our church and to our schools right now? I think uh, the, the, old, the biblical notion that the truth will set you free is, is really true. Mm. And we've, we've been sheltered from truth about history, uh, particularly peoples of color uh, in this country for way too long. Uh, and I often understood that uh, I come from a family of teachers and educators that, that part, of, part of the role of education is really to to, to move us from our comfort level of ignorance. So, so if, we, if we are not willing to be made at least uncomfortable enough in order for us to pull back the veil of ignorance and that we things that we simply don't know, then how are we really experiencing education in America? I think there can be an appreciation for both the, the victories and celebrations and accomplishments that all people have made at the same time uh, dealing with the, the ugly chapters of history and the, and the horrific things that sometimes people, uh, humans have done to other humans. So I don't think we do our, do ourselves a, a favor at all by uh, not teaching history uh, in a way in which it embraces the good, the bad and the ugly. Yes. You're a bishop in the United Methodist Church. I'm a pastor in the United Methodist Church. We're both Christians, both part of the faith community. Uh, how do you think uh, 
kind of lifting up and uh, being aware of black heroes, black uh, people of faith, uh, black people in history, even the biblical uh, record about uh, this here. How does that inform? Uh, how, what are some scriptures? What are some ways this informs our faith and how we do church? Well, the Bible says we, we are surrounded by a great cloud of cloud of witnesses. I like to think that that cloud of witnesses is a multicultural cloud. It's a multi multi uh, colored uh, cloud of witnesses. And uh, I think we have been uh, maybe maybe our minds have been altered a bit uh, because we seared into our seared into the pictures that we conjure up are uh, Charlton Heston and Elizabeth Taylor and people who played played biblical roles and and those pictures may be seared into our head it's Yul Brenner seared in our heads when we ought to realize that the people of the Bible uh, often were people of color uh, the people of the Bible often it was not about you know the kind of this racial, uh, stratification and racial uh, classification is, is, as many would argue, is a construct. You know, mm-hmm. we've constructed that, you know, that it, the, the color of one's skin has something to do with the value of one's contribution. I think as we read, as I read the Bible, Bible I'm thinking of this is God's expression through a, a, a whole host of peoples, people and peoples, God's expression for us to really embrace what it is to be sister and brothers, part of the human family. And you mentioned about the great cloud of witnesses and uh, who uh, part of informing that. But there certainly is a lot in the Bible that can help inform us about uh, about um, teaching and learning about not being intimidated by the other, you know, by those we might consider to be different than us. Certainly, Jesus did that, lifting up uh, mm-hmm. the Samaritan and so on uh, that we we can do. I did want to ask you, you know, before we, uh, because I just think it's pertinent to our conversation here as we, in the middle of February, uh, as this is will be released, that uh, it, I just want to get your comments about uh, uh, with the retirement of one of our chief justices uh, from our Supreme Court, Breyer. Uh, President Biden has uh, said, and by the time we air this, there may well be a nomination of a black woman to be on the Supreme Court. And I just can't but think that's going to be a really significant moment uh, when that happens. And I just like to get your take on that, the implications of that, the power of that, or how that uh, will can maybe shift how we look at uh, our country a little bit. Just your thoughts about that. I think it. Uh, I think it's a it's a opportunity for us to celebrate as Americans the diversity of contributions and the diversity of talent uh, that's in our country, including uh, those of uh, African-American women. Uh, there's no shortage as I'm not an expert. I have a niece who's a lawyer. She's she's a young lawyer. So uh, she's probably a bit far off before she'd be considered for that role. But I think it's going to be a tremendous uh, uh, witness to, uh, to the rich, uh, diversity and contribution of uh, black Americans, and in this case, African-American women. Uh, President Biden's already getting pushed back. I think this is a lot of the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the overstating of the importance of race or saying, you know, he's out of line for saying, I'm going to uh, nominate a black woman. 
Well, pre pre past presidents have said they were going to nominate, uh, you know, someone who had a diversity of experience or nominate a Latinx person, as uh, President Obama said, uh, or nominate a woman to the court when the first woman was. So these things were said by previous presidents or say or president said, I'm going to nominate someone who's who's who has a history of of conservatism and so forth. So. Uh, I celebrate the fact that uh, we have an African-American woman nominee. Nobody's going to question uh, her qualifications because we know that's all been vetted. Uh, you, you can't get nominated uh, unless you're already more, probably more than qualified uh, for, for the job. So it makes for a, a richer Supreme Court when we have a diverse Supreme Court, Court. It's not been that many years ago when if you looked at a picture I have an old set of encyclopedias. If you look at the picture, look up Supreme Court, and what you'll see is is all all uh, white men, with the exception of Thurgood Marshall when he was appointed. So it would have been yes. all men, all men, and one black man, Thurgood Marshall, uh, being uh, the first black uh, person to be uh, nominated to the Supreme Court. Well, I think it shows us the opportunity we have to uh, have the uh, riches of diversity in that area of the judicial system. But we see it and we need it even, you know, in other areas of life, education, in uh, academics, in business, in healthcare systems, and even in the mission and ministry in the church. But I think a lot of this has to do with helping bridge the gap of understanding between black folks and white folks and more people of color. And this area of the of black history month does come into play here. And that, and uh, what I want to ask you about is this for those white folks who say something to the fact that I just don't get it. I don't get what the importance of black history month is. You know, we need just history month or history year, whatever it would, would be. What do you think people of color can share or uh, be in conversation about that can maybe help influence uh, folks about this without a threatening way, because sometimes people get withdrawn when they feel threatened. Mm -hmm. How do you think black folks or people of color can speak to white folks about this issue? Right. And most folks, uh, most folks really kind of uh, uh, look back at a chronology of at least American history as being a country of immigrants. And we, we kind of were not for Black History Week that became Black History Month. People would forget that everybody who came to help shape and start, and and the 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 the, the backs where America was this this great country was built upon, were not all immigrants. Some of them were were slaves that were brought here on slave ships. Uh, and I think one of the thing I would say is that you know we are all better off when we uh, have a broader broader breadth of the contributions of of Black Americans and African African Americans to this great. Uh, country that we love. There's no, there's no reason to say we should have all history if we are not going to take the uh, effort to make sure that we really share and teach all history. I think it's an opportunity to, to celebrate the great contributions of African Americans who, for hundreds of years, were laboring without compensation. Uh, to help build the economic infrastructure, not just for the South, but for what it later became the the uh, ever-growing economy 
and democracy in America. People may not fully understand it, but I think everybody could benefit and learn uh, during Black History Month because it's a it's an it's a an, it's an inv invitation to pay attention to contributions. We should do the same for other other groups as well. Yes. Native Americans, uh, we should do the same. We should do the same for, for other cultural groups that have made contributions. And American history is certainly full of contributions of persons from Europe and other places as well. But mm -hmm. too often we have uh, neglected, people say we should just teach them, teach history. We've neglected to teach the full breadth of history. And I think this is an opportunity for us to make sure that some of those deficit areas uh, we pay attention to. Yes. What I'm hearing you say is let's look for areas of commonality and, uh, and, and, and unite experience rather than areas of, of differences and uh, diversion. Let's talk about inclusion and best that, that we can. And I want to wrap up our conversation here uh, today, uh, Bishop. He, the name of our podcast, of your podcast, is To Be Encouraged. So I always like to conclude our conversations here with uh, what's your encouraging word for the day? What is your encouraging word about uh, Black History Month or about some of the topics we've had conversation about here today? What's your word? Well, my encouraging word is that uh, never say something is impossible because what may seem uh, impossible with man uh, is possible with God. Every time, one of the things Black History Month teaches us is that even every time throughout, of his, throughout history, when hurdles were placed in front of uh, those who were descendants of, of African slaves, whenever there were hurdles and obstacles placed in front of Blacks, we became world-class hurdlers. So, you know, when we couldn't, we couldn't, they wouldn't teach us how to read, we became great scholars and educators. When we couldn't get into medical school, we became great doctors and innovators. Uh, so one of the things, this is a lesson for everyone. When there are hurdles put in front of you, often God will help make you a world-class hurdler where you can accomplish that. So when I think about the youngest poet, uh, the inaugural poet ever in, in, uh, in our recorded history, Amanda Gorman, a young black uh, African, a gifted poet who'd been, you know, been a gifted since she was 10, 10 11, 12 years old. Uh, and so we can all celebrate that. That's just a, a feel good story about an American, a young American, African-American woman who is just a great contributor. And uh, it reminds us of the text where it says, you know, do not say that, 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 that do not let them say despise your youth, that you indeed can be an instrument of God. All of us can be instruments of God. And I want to say to our listeners today, you know, we ought to take time to thank God for life. And thank God for the contributions of people uh, who are descendants of African slaves. Thank God of the contributions of people that we maybe we heard about, but take a moment to maybe do some research or even better, have a conversation with someone who's different than you. Uh, have a conversation with someone who's not of your same uh, tribe, your same cultural group or your same race or ethnic uh, um, circle. Well, what a great way for us to end our conversation. I just love that phrase you just said about, you know, if you're placed a hurdle in front of you, become a world-class hurdler. That's awesome. That's awesome. 
Well, uh, thank you for sharing today a good word about hurdling the obstacles and about other things here that we have that we've had to talk about. Uh, thank you for being our guest uh, today, uh, for being here on your podcast, Bishop. Remember, Be Encouraged podcast. You can find it at 2 beencouraged.com. Thank you, Bishop. God bless. Consider yourself encouraged and appreciated for listening to Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. Now, please share the blessing and encourage others in your life to listen to Be Encouraged. You can do just that by pointing your people to the website tobeencouraged.com. That's T-O-B-E-E-N-C-O-U-R-A-G-E-D.com. Or connect through Apple Podcast where you can follow, rate, and review To Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimple. When you do that, you're doing your part to bring a good word to a discouraged world. Remember to listen next week to Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. And never forget, God loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it.